All that. Well, good morning. We're so glad you're here this morning. And I don't know about you, but this has been a great year already. The scriptures are so true when it says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. And we watched that great state of Georgia take down that team up north and everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Is there any team up north fans in here today? We'll ask the ushers to go ahead and escort you out. I'm speaking to God's people today. O-H. That's for you, my friend. And, uh, but we're so glad you're here. I don't know about you, but I was so fired up after that game yesterday. How about you? Everybody excited about that? And uh, whatever I say today, man, you know it's going to be good. So, well, this morning, uh, I have the privilege of speaking with you and sharing with you. Last week, I talked about preparing for what's next. And I didn't really feel like I had, I had a part two of it, but I wasn't supposed to speak today. Uh, but about Wednesday, Dirk called me and he goes, uh, Pastor Jane. And he said it in his Dirk accent. I said, yeah. He, I said, how you doing, buddy? He's like, well, it depends how this conversation goes. Um, some people have come down with some sickness. Can you speak? And I said, yes. I got that. It just depends how Saturday night goes. And so Saturday night went great. And uh, so I'm fired up to speak here this morning as we talk in the second week about preparing for what's next. And all preparation for what God is doing next. And we talk about what's next for ourselves, what's next for our church here at CLC, what's next for our world. What I want you to know, preparing for what's next ultimately begins with prayer. Prayer is the preparation for what God wants to do next. And we're going to talk a lot about prayer. Over these next few weeks, you're going to hear a lot about prayer and fasting here as a church. Um, next week, we're beginning on, on the 9th, we're beginning a church-wide uh, fast, a Daniel fast that we're going to ask every single one of y'all to pray with us. It's the 9th through the 15th and, and to fast. And basically what we're doing is we're cutting out meat from our diet. It's just in the book of Daniel. It talks about a fast that he went on really just focusing our time and our energy and our efforts on God, hearing from God, getting our, our, our hearts and our bodies in alignment with what God is saying. And then on the 10th, we're beginning five days of concentrated prayer. We're going to pray every single day as a church for one hour. We're asking you to join us. And basically at 6.30 in the morning or in the evening, we're going to have one hour of prayer. Now here's the deal. I know we say this at the beginning of every year. Like, hey, we're going to have a time of prayer. Everybody goes, yes, amen. And like 48 of you show up that first day. But I'm saying, what if the whole church gathered together and we said for one hour, we're going to hear from God about what's next for our lives, for our church, for our globe. How many think that when we come together, we pray together, that God can do some extraordinary things? Amen. Now, how many of you really believe that? If we all came together and said, God, would you do some extraordinary things that God just might show up in extraordinary ways? Yeah. All right. That means we're expecting each of us to come together as we pray and hear from God. But when we talk about prayer, I want to really focus in on the heart of, or the heart of prayer this morning and saying, God, what are you speaking to us? Now, when I say prayer, I would say most of us, if not all of us, we would say, yeah, I pray. How many of you go, yeah, I pray? Some of you go, yeah, oh, all right. And you go, it's the right answer. You're a church. Of course you pray. pray. But I wonder how many of us, when we talk about prayer, really believe that prayer works. I mean, really believe that prayer is a, is a conversation that God invites us into with him and that through our prayer, things begin to change. And if we were really honest, some of us would go, man, I pray, but I don't even know if this prayer thing really, really works. I'm going to do it because sometimes it's the only option I got. 
or I'm going to pray and just hope that God does something. But what if prayer actually began to work and prayer began to move you into a new space and a new place of God's power, provision, protection? What if prayer really began to transform your life? What if prayer really was a conversation between you and God? Isn't it amazing the creator of the universe invites you into a conversation with him? And he asks you to participate. But I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I feel like I pray and I pray and nothing happens. Sometimes I feel like I pray and there's, God, are you even there? God, are you even listening? I, I never prayed a prayer until I was 18. Now, I'll let me take it back. I did pray at six years old one time. My mom taught me a prayer when something like this as I went to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep, right? You all know that part. Now, my mom wasn't religious, so she must have heard this somewhere. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. All right. I don't know what that means, but I'm rocking with it. Then it goes on to say, if I die before I wake, what? I'm six. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. What? I didn't sleep from six to seven years old. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That was the only prayer I prayed. It was horrible. I laid down. My mom says, I'm going to teach you about speaking to the creator of the universe. And it goes like this. If I die tonight, God, I thought I was going to live forever. And my mom just awoke me to the reality that I may not wake up. So I didn't really pray much after that my whole life. And then when I was 18, I remember I, I prayed a prayer the first time. I just didn't know if God was real. I wasn't a believer at the time. The first prayer I ever really truly remember praying was, God, if you're real, don't let me wake up. I'd hit a brokenness in my life, and I didn't know if God was real, but the only prayer that I was asking him to answer was for me not to wake up. At six, I prayed if I didn't wake up that God would be there at 18. I was now praying, God, if you're really real, don't let me wake up. It was a short time after that I gave my life to Jesus, and I began to understand that there was a real God. And he was inviting me into a conversation. And I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, people started telling me, you know, God doesn't speak. Here was the only problem. I had already had a conversation with God and heard God speak before I heard the people tell me that God doesn't speak. And that became a catalyst in my life that there is a God who invites you and I into a conversation with him. There's a, a, the moment in a space where God invites us to have this, this conversation with him that prayer is a catalyst to power and transformation in our life. But if you're anything like me or like most people, you come to a space and a place going, God, are you even hearing me? Are you even listening? I remember I was had been in ministry now about 20 years, almost 20 years, about 2016. I'd been pastoring, I'd been leading a church, I had been uh, knowing Jesus, telling people about Jesus, breaking down scriptures, teaching the Bible. And I hit a, a broken period in my life and I began to pray and I just remember praying and just going, God, are you even there? Are you hearing me? I've been praying that God would heal my mom and my mom passes away. I've been praying that God would heal my son and my son was not getting any better. I was tired and I was weary and I felt like the God of the universe wasn't hearing me. 
And I remember it was after one of a service that it was in 2016. I sat down at the altar after preaching. I was weary and I was tired and I just wanted to give up. I had been talking about Jesus for 20 years and I finally hit a space when I said, I don't even know if I know this Jesus anymore. I know what the Bible says about him, but God, are you really there? Are you really hearing me? And do you really care what I have to say? I was broken and I was empty. And for some of you, you may look at me with your, with your spiritually uh, mature faces and go, I've never thought that. But if you were transparent, like most of us in here, you wouldn't understand that space in that place. When you're empty, you're broken, you're tired, you're weary, and you go, God, I believe that you're real, but I don't know that you hear what I have to say. It was in that moment that God spoke to me, and I'll never forget, it was Jesus saying to me, Shane, could it be that you've forgotten how to pray? I said, what do you mean forgotten how to pray? I've been talking to you all, all day, every day for all these years, God. And I've been asking you and I've been asking you to work miracles in my life. And it seems like you're not hearing me. Of course, I haven't got how to pray, God. I've been talking. Have you been listening? And Jesus once again said, have you forgotten how to pray? I wonder if many of us, either we don't know how to pray or we've forgotten how to pray. And you may have been told a long time ago, it don't really matter how you pray. You just pray, there ain't no right way to wrong way to pray. The problem was when I was reading scripture, it seemed to me that there might be a right way to pray. There comes this moment, the disciples, they had been following Jesus. And this is shortly after there was a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Remember that? And, and they're freaking out on the boat. The boat's about to, about to seize. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, the storm is out of control. And Jesus speaks to the waves and the waves stop. And a short time after that, the, the disciples have this profound moment with Jesus. In the book of Matthew, or Luke, in, in chapter 11, it says this. It says, one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place. See, here's the reality of prayer. Prayer is the catalyst of everything. It's so important that Jesus himself prayed. Jesus, God in flesh. He didn't pray just to model. He prayed because he understood the, the relationship with the Father, that the connection with the Father, that he could not function without the Father. And so Jesus is praying. And listen to what the disciples say. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. See, we can read the scripture and we can go right past that one profound line. These were young Jewish men, young, probably late teenagers. They had grown up in the temple. They had gone to the temple. They had prayed. They understood the, the Jewish culture of praying. They, they had spent their life praying and they were with Jesus and, and, they're, and they're praying. And yet they say, Jesus teaches how to pray. What they were really saying, it seems to us, Jesus, when you pray, things turn out a little bit different than when we pray. You've been around those people that know how to pray. They call out El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh. You don't even know what Jireh or Jehovah is, and they're praying it, man, it just sounds good. You just know if they pray, God shows up. They're naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, and grabbing it. Man, God's moving, God's rocking in the world. You're praying, and, and you just don't want anyone to ask you to pray, especially at Thanksgiving dinner. Because you got to impress Aunt Lulu and you don't have the right words. God, don't let me mess this up. You ever had that one lady in church? It's always the one lady because ladies, you know how to pray. All the ladies said. I'm talking, I'm talking sister 
loving Jesus, knows Jesus, Holy Ghost, all of it showing up, praying, and you just see like God moving, and you go to praying, and it just seems like, well, Lord, I need you to teach me how to pray. They come to this moment and say, Lord, teach us how to pray because it seems like, Jesus, when you pray, the waves stop. It seems like when you pray, miracles happen. It seems like when you pray, things happen, Jesus. And it seems like we keep praying and nothing's happening. I wonder if we can relate to that. And they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And here's the profound thing that Jesus does. Jesus doesn't ridicule them. Jesus doesn't say you don't need to be taught how to pray. Jesus teaches them to pray in an effective and a prayerful manner, in in an effective way. And I remember it was this moment when Jesus is saying to you, Shane, have you forgotten how to pray? What he does is he brings me to this place in the scripture. Not to give me a recited prayer, but to give us a model of how to pray and pray an effective prayer life. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus does this. Jesus teaches them how to pray. And I'm going to say this prayer, and you're going to go, I know that. Some of you grew up in church, and you know something called the Lord's Prayer. Some of you watched the movie Rudy, and you heard Rudy say the Lord's Prayer. Some of you have heard this prayer at football games. Some of you, and we think, oh, so I'm just supposed to repeat this prayer. Here's what Jesus says. He says, this then is how you should pray. By the way. When you heard people say, it doesn't matter how you pray, Jesus says, when you pray, you should pray like this. How many think if Jesus says you should pray like this, there might be a way in which I need to be praying? That there are prayers that are effective and powerful. The scriptures tell us that that sometimes we don't see our prayers answered because when we pray, we pray with selfish motive, an impure heart, selfish intent. So Jesus says, when you pray, this is how I want you to pray. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we hear that prayer, many of us may have even said that prayer. What I want you to understand is that Jesus wasn't teaching us to recite a prayer. If you grew up like I did in the, in the Catholic faith, we didn't really pray whenever we did go to, to church that once or twice in our lifetime. Uh, we went, we would repeat a prayer. See, Jesus doesn't invite us to repeat a prayer. Jesus invites us into a prayer life and relationship with him. And what Jesus gives us is not a something to repeat as a spiritual ritual. He gives us a model to bring power and freedom into your life. He invites us into a conversation that transforms our lives with Jesus and the Father. And he does so by giving us five practical tips in our prayer life. I'll never forget it was in 2016. I began to pray. I said, Lord, I'm going to learn to pray like I've never prayed before. This was my prayer life. From there and moving forward, I began to pray in a way that became effective and powerful. It didn't mean that I was got what I always wanted, but it meant that I was knowing Jesus in a way I've never known him. It was that the Father was speaking to me. There was a confidence and assurance that I had met with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, sometimes we think God hearing our prayers means giving us what we want. But what I want you to know is that an effective prayer life is saying, I am talking to the creator of the universe who is with me in power and presence and that his hand is with me on this journey. See, I don't need to get God to take away all the storms. I just need to know there's going to be a God who walks through the storms of life with me. 
And so here's the five things that Jesus teaches us and invites us in to seek in our prayer life. The first is this, and this is going to be a little more practical, so maybe you want to write these down. Is this, is first that he, he, God invites us, Jesus invites us to seek God's presence with a worshipful heart. The first, the first initiative, the first invitation is that Jesus is saying, invite the Father's presence into your life. Do you know that many of us pray with ever having the presence of God in our prayer time? He says, so when you pray, pray like this, invite God's presence into your prayer life. He says it like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That name, that word there, hallowed, means to be holy and reverent. That it's with a worshipful heart, simply inviting God's presence into your presence, into the midst. And the Bible says that God loves the people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He inhabits the praises of his people. So the, the invitation of an effective prayer life is having the presence of the Father in our midst. How do we have the presence of the Father in our midst? It's, it begins with worship and understanding the position. See, here's my, my, maybe my concern for us in our prayer life. We have made Jesus out to be our homeboy and our best buddy and our friend and our pal. Jesus is not your pal and your best buddy and your homeboy that you kick it with. He is your God. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is your Redeemer. He is almighty, powerful God. Oh, I'm going to preach whether you want to clap or not today. See, here's the reality. It's saying, it's, it's establishing position. God, you are holy. You are God, and I am not. I am not on equal footing with the Father. I am establishing position in my prayer life. You are God, and I am not. I need you and your presence with me. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you are holy. You are worthy, God. See, prayer establishes position, and position will dictate your prayer life along the way. And by the way, some moments it's okay to take your frustrations out to God, to, be, to, be, uh, to share your pain, your fear, your anger, your frustration. God can handle all that. But if you miss position, you will always miss provision. If you miss position, you will always miss his provision. If you think somehow you and God are right here, you will always miss God's provision. If you establish that he is Father and you are not, you will begin to see the blessings of the Father. I fear that in, we live in a world where reverence and awe have been stripped away from everything. We don't respect authority. We don't respect, we don't respect position. Come on, I grew up in a day, and some of y'all old enough to know, anybody could whoop your butt. Anybody remember that? I remember my neighbor whooping my butt, and then my mama whooped my butt because my neighbor had to. <laughs> How many of y'all remember that? I know it's not politically correct, but it was culturally true. <laughs> Nowadays, it's the teacher's fault the kid's failing. Come on, somebody. It ain't your teacher's fault your kid don't do his work. See, position says, God, I respect the authority of who you are in my life. 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed is the Greek word that says to make holy, to purify, to consecrate before us. That when we start in our prayer life, it should be that we're saying, God, I want to bring your presence into my life. The second thing that Jesus teaches us is that, that we should seek God's priorities over our own. See, I remember I was praying, God, heal my mom. God, heal my son. I was giving God all my demands. But what I was doing was I was coming with my priorities and asking God to bless my will. Have you ever been frustrated that God will not bless your will? God do this and God do that and God do this and God do that. And we come with our priorities. And we expect God to bless our will. That's because once we get ourselves into position, then we can readjust our priorities. Listen to what Jesus says. He says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is this. When we learn out of position to seek God's priorities and his will, we will see transformation to the answers of our prayers. Here's the question for you. Do you really want God's will or do you always want God's will to be your will? I was praying, God, heal my son. God, heal my son. God, heal my son. My son's here today and, and, and he'll tell you. And I'll never forget God speaking to me one day and, and saying this. He said, Shane, you've been frustrated and you've been saying the same prayer for, for week after week, month after month, now year after year. And I said, God, what is it you're trying to say to me? And I'll never forget God speaking to me. I'm not healing your son the way you want me to. You keep wanting me to put him back how he was. And I want to use this to make him someone he could never be without it. I'm not putting him back to how he was. I'm creating someone he could have never been without this. See, you're wanting to pretend this didn't exist. And what I'm telling you, Shane, is I'm using this to create something that never could have been. See, when you, and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, God, I trust your will. I trust your way. It may not have been what I wanted to hear, but it was a clarity in my spirit that God's hand was upon my son's life. Amen. See, it was that clarity. Remember I said last week, hold on, then you can clap really loud. Last week I said, wherever there is fear, there's an area of my life that's not submitted. Right, if I have fear in my marriage, I haven't submitted it to God. If I have fear of the future, I haven't submitted my future to God. If I have fear in my life, whatever, there's an area of fear in my life that, that is not uh, submitted to God. Fear will reign, but perfect love will cast out all fear. When I give that fear to Jesus, he will cast it out and I will trust his love and his will. That's when I begin to say, okay, God, I just want your will for my son. I want your will. And wherever there's confusion, remember I said, I need clarity. And clarity only comes from a word from God. So I was praying, okay, God, I want your will. And that was a big transformation. I thought God wasn't hearing me. And the truth was God was refusing to answer me. He was refusing to put his blessing on my will. 
He wanted me to put my submission on his will. So see how it now begins to transform whatever I pray for. If I say, God, all I want is your will, it will change what I ask for coming forth. So then, Lord, it's, Lord, I want your will for my son. I trust you. Lord, you know I want you to heal him. But, Lord, whatever your will is, I trust your will. Lord, whatever your will is for my family, Lord, I trust your will. I just want your will. See, the, the freedom was now saying, God, I just want your hand and your blessing on my son's life. I just want it on my mama's life and my, my family's life. God, I trust your will. The reason some of us are frustrated in our prayer life is because God isn't giving you your will. Because he knows your will will destroy destroy your future. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. See, God wants to unleash his blessing on your life, but he will not unleash his blessing on your will because your will will destroy your future. How many of you ever thought, man, if I was God, let me tell you how that would have turned out. How many spouses are so thankful your spouse isn't God? You chicken littles. My wife's right there going, amen. I'm so glad Shane didn't have to figure that out. See, I can't trust myself with my will. But why is it that our prayer lives are consumed with God doing our will? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He goes on in Matthew 6, to say this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be given unto you. When's the last time your prayer life began with, God, I just want your will in my life. I want your presence, and I want your will. See, when you pray your will, In your marriage, it's always about changing someone else. When you pray for your will in your family, it's about your family coming into alignment with you. But when you say, God, I want your will in my life and in my marriage, it's always bringing your life into submission to his plan. So Jesus says that we should seek his priorities over our own. The third thing he teaches us this is that we should seek God's provision for our daily needs. You know why this is number three in the provision? Because I've already established position and I've established priorities. That's going to now change what the provisions that I ask for in my life. And I love that it says, uh, and he says it like this, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. You know what Jesus is teaching us about right here? This is big. He is teaching us to stay in the moment. He doesn't say, give us yesterday's bread. He doesn't say, worry about tomorrow's bread. He says, give us today my daily bread. Give me my provision for today. Jesus is saying, stay in the moment. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow will have enough worry of its own. Today is the day that Jesus has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Most of us are frustrated and fearful about yesterday or worried about tomorrow. Very few of us are worried about today. But isn't it amazing 
that tomorrow's fear and yesterday's frustration consume us. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, give me the provision to make it through today. Give us today a peace. Give us today a strength. Give us today a grace. Lord, I want to be faithful with today. You're so consumed with tomorrow and you're wondering why God isn't blessing your tomorrow. It's because we're not faithful with our today. Faithful with today will bring blessing tomorrow. But most of us were either praying about yesterday or praying about tomorrow and wondering why we're not having provision for today. Today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Most of us, we ever, we, we rarely ever pray for today. And Jesus is saying, I just want to bless you today. I just want to meet with you today. I just want to be in your presence today. I just want to give you provision for today. When the children of, of Egypt or, or Israelites were in bondage and escaping Egypt, that God just gave them the provision for today. Today is enough. Today is enough worry. Today is enough that Jesus says, let me be your God today. Stop worrying about your tomorrow. Stop holding on to your past. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of provision. What if you just focused your heart, your mind, your energy on the gift of today? See, most of us, we're not even thankful for today. We're worried about tomorrow. Some of you already made out your 2022 resolutions and you already blew it. Come on, how many already blew a resolution? I know you were going to work out, you lying dogs. Because I'm lying with you. You're already going to eat better, but you're still eating that fruitcake from last week. Come on, somebody. Have you noticed that today never seems good enough for us? What am I going to do this week? I got to go back to work next week. I can't believe I got to go back to work. Some of you just going, I can't wait for them kids to get back to school. I just can't wait. I just can't believe. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Let your prayer life and your provision be for today. Let me be your healing today. Let me be your source today. When you can learn to trust Jesus for today, you'll always be able to trust him for tomorrow. When you don't trust him today, you'll never trust him tomorrow. If you can't trust Jesus with your today, you won't trust him with your tomorrow. Today does not exist to get you to tomorrow. Today is a gift from God. It's the greatest day you'll ever have because yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. You better understand the power of today and Jesus' provision for today and his grace for today because today is a gift from God. Number four. I just want to get everybody's grits for a minute. Jesus teaches us to seek God's pardon for our sins and to release others from theirs. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts, our sins, as we, as we forgive others. 
Here's what Jesus is reminding us. That every day I need to come to him with a place of a clean heart. God, if I want your provision, I want to be in your presence. God, I want to make sure my heart is clean. And you know why he puts it in this order as he's teaching us that we should ask for forgiveness of our sins? That doesn't mean that we're unforgiven, that, that we're, we're, we're falling away from Jesus. It's a reminder every day of how much Jesus has forgiven you for. That I'm in awe of what Jesus has forgiven me for. I came to church, I came to Jesus at 18. And when before I knew Jesus, I was really stinking good at sin. And I had fun doing it. How many of you were really good at sin? Everybody, Everybody that's right. Some of y'all just put some churchy clothes on it and dressed it up. But I was good at sin. And the day I gave my life to Jesus, I wept like a baby because I understood all that Jesus had forgiven me for. Every sin, past, present, and future, he wiped it clean. And he says, so as I have forgiven you, every day you should be given, forgiven somebody else. You know why he puts it in that order? Because once you remember what Jesus has forgiven you for, it makes it a lot easier to forgive other people what they have done to you. The problem is we forget what Jesus has done for us, so therefore it's hard to do it for someone else. Now hold on. I want to say this. I know forgiving others is very hard. And in me saying that we should forgive does not minimize what you have gone through. I will not pretend to know your hurt, your pain, your frustration, your fear. I will not pretend to know what someone has done to you. And I want to say to you up front, I'm very sorry you've been hurt. And I mean that in all sincerity. But the provision of God and the power of God not only comes in him redeeming us, and us being reminded daily of what he paid for. But Jesus loves you so much, he wants you to get rid of the wounds you've been carrying around every single day. Because unforgiveness for yesterday will always lead to an infection tomorrow. And some of you, you've been wounded and you've been hurt. And that wound has turned into an infection that has consumed your life. And you're saying, well, how do I forgive? Some of you are going, well, I said I forgive them. And I understand that. That's where I was in my life. Forgiveness has always come pretty easy to me because I was so jacked up. I'm in awe that God ever forgave me. But what I realized in my midst of my burnout, my pain, and my hurt was there were some people that I loved and trusted that was unloyal, that, that had hurt me, that had wounded my family. And I'll be honest with you. I wanted to say I forgave him, but I sure like that vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord scripture. And I remember as I was praying and walking through this prayer time, Jesus says, when are you gonna forgive? When are you gonna forgive? I said, Lord, I forgave him. He said, no, you didn't. 
I said I forgave him, God. You don't know me. The problem was God knew me. So how did I forgive? It was every day I had to write down, every single day, I would write down the name of the person who hurt me and wounded me. I didn't have to write down what they did because I already knew. You already know. And every day I would do this, God, help me to love such and such. God, I pray your blessing upon their life. Lord, they've hurt me so deeply and I just wanted to let it go. Lord, would you bless them? Lord, would you move in their life? And Lord, would you help me love them like you love me? Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. The first couple days that I prayed that prayer for each person, I didn't mean it. But what I found was the more I prayed for God's blessing on their life and the more I prayed for God to help me to walk in forgiveness towards them, I found that I could not be praying for blessing for them and have hatred in my heart towards them. And you know when I was done, I knew when forgiveness happened is when I no longer needed to pray for them, but I meant it. That God's hand would be upon their life. Then I could get to a place where I would meet with them and my family would look at me and go, well, you're crazy, but I would have meetings with them and i say, I just want you to know I forgive you for everything you've done to me and I love you and anything I've done towards you, I would ask that you forgive me. You see, that wasn't for them, that was freedom for me. It is for freedom that Jesus came to set us free, Galatians 5.1 tells us. And Jesus wants you to walk in freedom by releasing the sin in your life to Jesus and releasing those who have sinned against you outwardly so that you can walk in a freedom that you've never had before. And if you're waiting for someone to make it right so you can forgive them, it will be a long long day towards hell that you will ever see that because their actions have no reality in the response that you give them. See, I choose to respond because I love my God and I love myself way too much to let you have a stronghold in my life anymore. Well, how come, how come he tells us, how can he ask us to do this? Isn't it amazing? That's four out of number five. First, I establish position, priorities, provision. And when I get myself into his provision and priorities and position, guess what? Now I can begin to function like Jesus. The last is this. Is that Jesus teaches us to seek God's power to overcome temptation. In this, when I begin to see my prayer life now have these five priorities every single day, I see that I'm now meeting with God. But I want you to know something. Position, priorities, pardons, provision, ultimately mean nothing if I don't function in God's power. I want to see the power of God on display in my life. We as believers, we should be people of his presence. Just like Moses says, God, what would make us different than anyone else on the face of the earth if we are not people of your presence? But we are also called to be people of God's power. There should be power and anointing in our life. There should be something different about us. 
When the world hates, we should love. When the world wants revenge, we should forgive. See, I can't do that on my own in my flesh. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That only comes by the power of the living God. We should be people of his power. I'm tired of just being a Christian who shows up on church on Sundays and acts like we have it together and we say the right things and we try to do the right things. We should be people of the power of the presence of God. And here's what he says. Jesus says, so therefore end it like this and lead us not a temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Meaning this, God, I need your power to fight this enemy that I'm fighting every day. Temptation to say the wrong thing, to fight the wrong battle, to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing. Because let me tell you something, temptation is something everyone will battle every single day. Temptation is not a sin. It's just an invitation to it. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way known to man. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit that helped him recognize that temptation and go the other way. You cannot do it on your own. Stop beating yourself up that you couldn't overcome that temptation on your own. It's just you haven't invited the power of his presence into your life. He said, so therefore, lead me, God, not into temptation, but deliver me. Give me the strength. Give me the boldness to do what is contrary to my spirit or my flesh. Paul struggled with it. He said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I find myself doing. That's why I need the power of his presence. See, that's why prayer is not a once-a-year exercise. It's not a, a yelling match in times of desperation. It is the lifeline of our being that we want to be people of his presence and people of his power. And I love it says this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul writes, See that no temptation sees you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I read that and I go, God, I know I'm being tempted. And you say, I can, you won't give me more than I can bear. No, no, no. What he says is he won't let you have any more temptation than you can bear. You always hear people say, God won't let me go through any more than I can bear. No, no, no. He'll let you in rebellion go through a lot more than you can bear. He just says, I won't let you have any more temptation than you can bear. Because when you go through temptation, if you will be a person of his presence and a person of his power and a person of prayer and seeking his face, he will provide a way out. He'll remind you this morning uh, how you prayed and how he showed up. He invites you into conversation, in dialogue with him, where he gives you power and provision and strength. See, you thought prayer was God giving you your will. No, no, no. Prayer is God being your partner in life, saying, I will lead you and I will guide you. I will not forsake you and forget you. I'm on this journey. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through this year, this week, this day, without God's presence. If you're not a person of prayer, let me tell you something. You don't really know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You say, that's kind of harsh. No, that's his invitation. My, my wife and I, we, we've been married going on, we'll be 25 years. She's the luckiest lady in the world. Matter of fact, where's my wife at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Stand up, stand up. Where are you at, babe? Is she here? She left probably already mad at me. Are you here? Oh, she's all the way in the back row. Preacher's kids. Stand up, babe. Stand up way back there. I'm sorry, babe. I didn't know you were sitting in the back row. Okay, that's my wife. We clap for I, I know I don't know why she's back there because she brought my two boys to church and well she wanted y'all to hear the message I'll never forget my wife and I started dating 1996 right ish and man I couldn't wait that was back in our dorms when we didn't have cell phones or phones in the dorm you had a pay phone you remember you had to put a quarter in 35 cents if you really love someone, it was long distance. You had eighteen dollars worth of quarters. You keep putting in. Man, she would. We, she would call, or I would call, and I, I would. I would then begin to know her voice. So she no longer had to say who she was. I would just know. And man, we would talk, and we would talk for hours. I don't even know what we had to talk about. I don't want to talk for ten minutes now. But man, man we talk forever. And it soon began to be that I didn't even have to ask who it was, I knew who it was because I knew her voice. Well, now over 25 years, I know her so well. I know I'm in trouble just by the first word she says on the phone. Hello? And whatever comes next, I can tell you how the rest of my day is going to go. See, I know her. I know her. You know what prayer does? It allows you to know him. It allows you to have intimacy with Him. It allows you to change your priorities and your convictions. It brings clarity in everything you're doing. I can expect God for the miracles. I can believe God for hope when it seems hopeless because I know Him. He is my God and He is my rock and He is my Lord. And I may not have easy days. I just know when days aren't easy, my God is able. I know there's a world that is out to steal, kill, and destroy, but I can take heart because I know the voice of the one who said, take heart, I have overcome the world. I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And some of you here today, man, you need to have a fresh intimacy with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You need to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, rejoicing that he is able. He is your God. He is your rock. He is the one when all hell breaks loose you can stand firm on and go my God has overcome death the hell the hell the grave he is able today 
Come on, I want us to stand today, and Davida's going to lead us in this song. And some of you, I want you to cry out and believe that God is your miracle-working God. For some of you, he's calling you back to relationship and fellowship with him. For some of you, you've been frustrated in your prayer life. He's about to renew that intimacy with you. But I want you to know our God is able and just to meet you right where you are today. Give me. 
today, would you just lift your hands? If you need God to move, I want to pray for you this morning. God, I pray right now for every hand that is raised across this room. God, we came today to meet with you. And God, you know the need of every hand that is raised all over this room. You know the miracle that is needed. And Lord, first and foremost, we just ask that your will would be done in our lives. God, I pray for those that need healing in their body, that, God, you would be their provision today, and that, Lord, you would move and that healing would take place. God, for those that need a financial miracle, God, you are a great provider. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, you would, you would meet them right where they are. You would provide the job. You would provide the resource. Whatever it is, Lord, you would be the miracle-working God today. Lord, for those that need healing in their relationships, God, I pray right now for marriages to be reunited. I pray, Lord, forgiveness to flow, not by our strength, but by yours. God, I pray today that you, you bind those relationships, that you mend those broken hearts. God, today be the miracle that we needed in this place. And Lord, help us to be people of prayer, full of your presence full of your power that we may be different than what the world expects not because we're better because we're forgiven God help us to walk like a forgiven chosen people to bring hope to the hopeless that we see in our world Lord we love you and we praise you in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen can we give God a great big hand one more time Thank you guys so much for being here today. Just real quick, please join us this Wednesday for prayer. Don't forget we're starting our week of prayer and fasting next week. And if you're a visitor, I'd love a chance to meet you in our VIP room to my right, your left. We have a gift we'd love to give you. Just say hi to you. But God bless you all. Have a great, great week and a happy new year. God bless.